0: I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of...
1: An, an argument. argument!
2: Welcome, everyone, to In Search of an Argument. We are super excited for this today's podcast. Um, <laughs> I am here with my co-host... This is Shelley Cummings, by the way. Everybody knows that already. Um, I'm here with my co-host... Uh, John Heinz coming Hi, from Shelley. Chicago. Hi, John. Beth Shannon. Hi, uh, everyone. Peggy. Hi. Oh, so happy to be here. Uh, Jim <laughs> from Silver Spring, <State>, Maryland.
3: <laughs> Hi, Shelly.
2: <laughs> and our very, very special guest, Rob Finch from um, Manhattan, New York. So, Hi, everybody. Rob, woo! Welcome to the. Plan. I love,
1: that. I love. We're saying, I love that we're saying he's from Manhattan because that is. I love the specificity. I would even say you should say from like Midtown.
2: Oh, oh is yeah. he from Midtown? Times. Square. Yeah, I live in oh, Times, yeah. Square. Times Square. Times Yeah.
1: Which so. I just want to hear a check in really fast. Like, is there no one in Times Square?
4: Um, I mean, there's there's more now than there was, you know, several months ago. But it's still pretty desolate out there.
5: What about right this minute? Are you having a massive snowstorm like we are in the Midwest? No, Michigan?
4: we, we had one on Monday and we're supposed to get another one on Sunday.
5: Okay.
3: And just so everybody uh, knows, we're recording this on Friday evening, February 5th.
2: Yes. Excellent clarification,
5: uh, Jim. Gentilly
3: from so Silver Spring. Rob.
2: Rob is commenting I... on my
3: clarification, Peggy, from <laughs> West Michigan. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Grand Rapids. <laughs> uh, so, Rob and I have been friends for about 13 years, at least 13 years. Um, he's such a great person um, with a kind That's a heart, and has always amazed me with how inclusive he is of others until he decides not to be. And
0: that's fun. Ooh, and
5: that, that is, is story because there.
2: as long as you're in that group, it's 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 fun. Uh, he is basically the social organizer of our group and is always encouraging folks to hang out for one more drink, in quotes, that never ends up <laughs> being one more drink. Uh, Sounds like John Heinz. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we all have friends like that, right? Uh, and I love Rob more than I could probably ever say to his face, which is why this is great to be doing this virtually.
3: It's good, and then we're not doing the video version because you <laughs> wouldn't be able to say this <laughs> right. if we were doing the video version.
2: Right. So Rob, um, by training, is a genetic counselor like I am, um, and he cut his teeth at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York after he graduated from the University of Pittsburgh Genetic Counseling Training Program. Uh, he currently works at Myriad in the urology group. And, spend, and in that part of that role, he spends his time educating urologists about prostate, prognostics, and hereditary cancer. And that's all well and good, but that's not the reason why we invited Rob to our podcast today, unless, Jim and John, you have things you want to talk about your prostate with Rob. I
1: love prostate conversation.
4: <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't do a digital rectal virtually, so... <laughs> <laughs>
2: You
1: haven't been working hard enough during the pandemic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So the reason why we um, invited Rob to this podcast um, is much more interesting than all of that. So my first Broadway theater experience was in 1996, and I saw Beauty and the Beast. And it was by myself in New York, but it was still amazing. My very next... Broadway experience was in January of 2016 with Rob, seeing Hamilton with the original cast. You're kidding me. No.
3: Those were your
1: first two Broadway experiences? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: And get a load of, wait,
5: can I tell the, can I give give a lead into your, uh, the, the icing on the cake from your Hamilton experience?
2: I don't know where you're going with this. Did she have sex <laughs> with the lead? I don't lead? trust you, so let me go through my, the rest of my introduction, then you can.
5: All right, but well, I have to come back to this because this is excellent tidbit, and it's totally okay. rated G. Okay, go okay. ahead. Who was your brush with fame when you guys went to get a drink afterwards?
2: Um, That's
1: John Cusack.
2: No. Close, uh, close, no. close. Excellent guess. Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Everybody
1: bumps into John Cusack in a bar
3: after, th- after <laughs> a theater. <laughs> it's in Chicago, not New York. Uh, <laughs>
2: Matthew Broderick. Yes. <gasps> he was right the there line. at the Matthew bar Broderick next to Shelley. Broderick and John
3: Cusack are close, but at the whatever. They're both, tavern. they're both well, male. They're white,
2: I guess.
5: And they have dark hair, and they're about the same era.
3: And they're both married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, no, that's <laughs> not right. Um, okay, thanks. Okay,
2: so... It was a life-changing experience, and one that I will never forget. I love the Meeting soundtrack. Matthew
3: Broderick was a life-changing no. <laughs>
2: experience? Seeing oh, the original Jesus. cast of Hamilton. Uh, then I had the pleasure of seeing it again with Rob in 2018 or 2019 I, in Chicago. I saw it back-to-back. So I've seen Hamilton three times, twice with Rob. Um, so, and you know,
3: some of us, some people out there who were supposed to see <laughs> Hamilton for the first time on the 4th oh, of July in 2020 right. might be a little resentful at this point, Shelley.
2: Ah, I'm sorry. Your time is off, Jim. <laughs> well,
1: it is an ouch. It's an, it's an ouch all around.
2: Yeah. It's a jealousy
1: ouch, but it's also an ouch ouch. It's a definitely yeah. jealousy
3: ouch.
2: It'll happen. It'll happen. Be positive. Sure. Um, But since those experiences, Rob and I have had the opportunity to see more theater together in London and in Paris most recently, which was our last trip Ah. together last year around this time. Um, And we're very fortunate to have had that opportunity. Rob absolutely loves theater. And a few years ago, he married that love into a part-time gig as a producer for two shows, Um, Merrily, We Roll Along, and Once Upon an Island. So you can see. Um, Rob's right brain is as equally strong as his left brain. Um, And uh, we welcome Rob to the podcast today to share with us how he kind of got into this, how he dipped his toe into producer land, what it entails, what he plans to do next, when is he going to win his next Tony, um, and a myriad of other things. Theater-related topics. So, welcome, Rob, and please Thank correct you. Any, Please correct anything I said because I literally made it up as I was
4: saying. <laughs> should I world should world. I go point by point or no? I'm kidding. <laughs> really, was there that
0: many mistakes?
4: There, there were a few. Yeah, that's okay, though. God dang
0: it! Like what? You didn't see Hamilton with Shelley?
4: Oh no, no, <laughs> no we did. We did no. see Hamilton <laughs> together twice. Of course, the, we wouldn't make that up. <laughs>
2: What, what did I mess up?
4: Um, So it was, you got Merrily We Roll Along correct, but it was once on this island. Oh. I think you said once in this island, but it was once, once a- on this island. I
2: said once upon an island.
4: <laughs> oh, once upon. <laughs> on. No, it'll be once upon a mattress is a musical, yes. but this was once on this island.
2: Got it. Got it. <laughs> Wow, so thanks I for also, introducing
5: s- us to Rob before he wins his Tony, so we can say we knew him when,
2: yeah, I know, so I would I'll start with the first question, which is um you're not, with not the reading the question. chat <laughs> oh.
3: read the chat,
2: <laughs> oh. yes. So before I jump into what is very stimulating.
1: Segment number one.
2: We always (laughs) like to start off our podcast with what's top of mind. And as our guest, Rob, would you like to start off with what's top of mind? Anything.
4: What's top of mind? Um, You know, I'm actually really excited about the Super Bowl this weekend, which is something that Shelly is probably surprised by because I don't usually get into sports, um, especially sports ball. Um, But uh, I grew up in the Kansas City area, and so the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl this weekend. So I'm actually going to watch the game by myself because none of my friends like football. Um, but I'm excited about that. So I would say that's top of mind.
5: That's cool. That's a good one. I, I relate to that.
2: Are you going to make your lights in your apartment appropriately colored?
4: Of course. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he has the Hue lighting system so he can change the lights for his color scheme.
4: Do you have a crush I on love those.
5: Do you have a crush on Patrick Mahomes like I do? I do.
4: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Patrick totally Holmes Mahomes. Mahomes.
3: Mahomes is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, as you may be one of the few people in America who don't know John. Um, John's faking yeah, I it. Don't know. It is possible I have that no idea. his career <laughs> when his career is over, Patrick Mahomes may be the greatest quarterback of all time.
5: Ooh, it's that should have been your prediction for twenty thirty.
0: Well my prediction was that they were gonna win. <gasps> nice Reminded job back. Just yeah. reminding you, Jim, okay, of course, uh, had so to throw in a statistic that that doesn't happen. So I'll <laughs> prove you wrong tomorrow, Jim. So Beth, <laughs> or what's the line for you? So I'm looping back to a conversation we had all had previously about if you get a chance to get a COVID shot, do you jump the line? Because I heard from two people today who... Seem to have accessed it, and it's making me a little nutty because I know my eighty-eight-year-old mother-in-law hasn't gotten her shot yet. Mm. So, are you married? Well, my ex's mom, I'm still in touch with, and oh, it's just easier okay. to say mother-in-law. So like, Dang. Yeah, then my dead you. ex-fiance's mother sounds a little tongue-twistery. Uh, okay. Got it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Not to
3: mention macabre. <laughs> I, I, um, I always
2: say my ex mother-in-law. That's how I refer to it.
3: Except that well, yeah, I refer like to it as like my, my future ex, Sally. <laughs> Sally, <laughs> my future who's a very nice <laughs> person. <laughs> Sally, who's a very lovely person, I've met Sally, and it's too bad she has not gotten her shot yet. Yeah,
2: huh? That's unfortunate. Jim, how about you?
3: So, uh, <laughs> on the macabre note, I wanted to note the passing earlier this week of Jamie Tarsus at the age of 56. Jamie Tarsus was a network executive first for NBC and then she became the first woman ever to head the entertainment division at a major American network. Jamie Tarsus was the daughter of Jay Tarsus. Jay Tarsus Uh, was a comedian. He was part of a comedy team, Patchett and Tarsus, which I used to watch in the 1960s. He and his partner became writers on some noted shows in the 70s and 80s. In the 1980s, Jay Tarsus produced, created and produced a, uh, ahead of its time, somewhat of a sitcom, but also sort of a dramedy, which is why it was ahead of its time called The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Jamie Tarsus, his daughter, became an executive at NBC at a young age. She was a protege of the incomparable Brandon Tartikoff, who's probably the most widely admired and successful network programming executive in the history of American television. And at a very young age, she became the, and in a very controversial manner, she became the president of ABC Entertainment in the late 90s. Some of the shows she worked on when she was in NBC included Friends. Um, one of the shows she worked on when she was at ABC was a show called Sports Night, which is where she became uh, friend uh, became known to Aaron Sorkin. And when Aaron Sorkin did a show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, he modeled uh, one of the characters after her. Um, she was a very interesting person. She was a victim of sexism. She was also a victim of her own, some of her own you have five seconds left. sabotage <laughs> But <laughs> she's left us much too young at the age whole of A
5: whole episode on this topic. How did how, she
1: die, Jim? How, how did, did she die? 56?
3: She had some recurring health problems. I don't know. They didn't list the cause of death in the obituary that ran in the New York Times. Oh. So, how how old did she she, had had she was? I'm sorry. She was only 56. Only 56. Oh.
2: She so, did. Yeah. Uh, Peggy, Sue, <laughs> what's the <laughs> what's the what's top of mind for you? Not as interesting,
3: <laughs> I guess, as some
2: other things. No, uh, yeah.
5: just how fabulous this massive snowstorm we're having. It started at four p.m. Like it came out of nowhere. I mean, we had a winter advisory, so we knew it was coming. Yeah, uh, but it was just like doing nothing and then boom, it's a whiteout and it has been snowing for over 24 hours and it is gorgeous. How much gorgeous. snow do you have now? Then? Um, I don't know. Six, seven inches. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. All the s- schools were closed. It's great. Are they jealous. already closed? No, they reopened. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Gretchen wants okay. everybody back in school. Oh. so They started. they do already. in
1: Chicago
3: too, but the Chicago Teachers Union is like,
1: we're just going to strike. We're not going back.
2: How about <laughs> yeah, the high school... I think yeah. the
3: president of the United States wants everybody
5: back in school, my friend.
1: I know. I know. Believe me. Chicago is the, is the, is the exception, not the rule. Uh, yes. Top of mind for me okay. is... Oh, go ahead, Peg. Sorry. I was
5: just going to say it's not working here. Are the high school... Charlie, You know, Charlie's in the middle school. The yeah. high school is that his school feeds sent home 210 kids in this week. Oh, I'm they're, sure. This is their first week that they've been back 100%. So they, hey. they're going virtual Monday again. It
1: shocks me yeah. that people are saying that it's like that schools are not a vector. I mean, of course it's a freaking vector. It's, well, like it's so stupid. It's
5: not even that they're all getting it. They just have to do the contact tracing just in case. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 210 yeah. kids in one week. That is the whole no, administration wow. staff. It like is a full time job.
1: It is stupid. Okay,
5: go ahead. Sorry.
1: Uh, so top of mind for me is I actually the thing, that, and this actually was top of mind when you the moment you said top of mind, I thought about Myanmar and I thought about the coup mm-hmm. there, and I thought about how sad it is because you guys remember one of my earlier recommendations was a book about Myanmar by uh, the former or the son of the former head of the UN, and he talked about it and the fact that that whole little sojourn into democracy has failed officially and completely now is kind of sad to me. I don't know, Beth, how do you feel about it?
0: I feel the same. I have been talking to friends about it and just the poor people of Burma. It's, mm. I don't know what's going to happen there. The Chinese are going to show more influence right. and right, it's, uh, right. it's yeah. heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. So that's top of mind for me. It's, it's hard, it is heartbreaking. It's sad.
2: That is very sad. Uh, and mine is really quick. Uh, what's top of mind for me is I have a few pivotal people in my life who have major birthdays coming up in the next several months. And I have to uh, plan them. So I feel like this intense pressure to <laughs> make these major blowouts because other people have done that for me for this major birthday. So I am uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. that's very much top of mind.
5: All right, we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. One of those
3: people that has a major <laughs> birthday, Peg Bennett, by any chance?
2: <laughs> it might be. It might not be. But <laughs> it Is might Peg be. Bennett
3: really going to turn thirty this year? Finally, after all those years.
5: Finally,
2: finally. Oh, uh, that's this year. Wow. Yeah. So I've got three of those. Shit. Three of those. Uh, Shit. this year. Part three people man.
3: that are turning thirty this year. That's interesting.
2: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. A few short months. Yeah. So um, let's turn to the point of this podcast this evening with our guest, Rob. Everybody did their top of mind, right?
5: Good job, yes.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jim... Thanks for checking, Shelly. <laughs> Thanks for checking,
1: Shelly. That was nice.
2: Um, so, Rob, tell us how you became interested and how you broke into being a producer and what a producer um, does, exactly.
4: Sure. So... I. It, let me just start off by saying, you know, I grew up in the arts. Um, I grew up playing piano, playing clarinet, saxophone, singing. I did high school theater. Um, I actually did seven shows within a year and a half and kind of burnt out on it. Um, but even going to college, like I was in the marching band, but I just ended up studying science. And that was just sort of the path that I chose was was science. And so I got uh, a BA in biology and a BS in genetics. And then uh went on to genetic counseling school at the uni- University of Pittsburgh, as you said earlier, um, and then ended up moving to New York and was a genetic counselor at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And, you know, I, I saw as many Broadway shows as I could, um, it, but, you know, it, there was still just something that, that it just wasn't enough. And so um, I ended up getting relocated down to South Florida and then relocated back to New York three years later. Um, and I ended up living in time, finding an apartment in Times square. Um, and across the street from me is a bar called glass house tavern that Shelly also mentioned earlier. Um, oh, and so bar. I just, I know, remember when we used to go sit at bars and, <laughs> oh, and talk to each other without masks. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> so this is the type of bar that, you know, um, you, you go in before the show if you want to you go in after the show and it's sort of one of those things that's even though it's in Times Square, it's very theater. it's very locals. you know not too many tourists will go in um, you know unless they come in with somebody who's a local but it's sort of one of those places where you just you go in and you sit at the bar and you throw your play up at the bar you know on the bar and people you know look around like, oh what did you see tonight? What did you see tonight? Um, and then of course, you know, if you've seen the same show, you compare notes, et cetera. And so, um, it just really, I mean, it's almost like a cheers for theater lovers. And so one day I was talking to a couple of friends of mine that I had met at the bar who uh, were both producers. And they said, well, Rob, if you love theater so much, why don't you look into producing? And I said, well, first of all, I have a full-time job that keeps me very, very busy. Um, I don't really have time to you know, add more, um, you know, add another full-time job. Um, and that's where they started to talk to me about producing and producing can be anything as small as just investing money into a show, um, investing a small amount of money into a show and also investing lots of money into a show. Um, or, you know, if you have the, the time to do it, you can, you know, get more involved. And so there's, there's a lot of different levels of being a producer, um one is just giving money basically and the other is you know giving money but bringing other people in to give money um and then you know the higher the amount of money you're able to bring in with you and your friends or some of your other colleagues then you sort of move up the totem pole to where you know perhaps you could be an associate producer or a co-producer uh but the lead producer is the one who really makes all of the decisions and that's the one who it's their full-time job Uh, But they, you know, just, you know, back in the days when theater was very inexpensive, they didn't need to bring in 30 or 40 people. But when we're in the age now where a Broadway show could be 10, 12, 15 million dollars, like you can't just do that by yourself. And so, um, you know, they encouraged me to look into a course uh, on producing. And it just happened to be a three day course um, that was the next month. And so I looked into it. Um, I even roped a friend of mine into going with me so that I wouldn't have to go into a room and sit by myself. And um, so we went to this course and we learned about producing. And we learned about all the different aspects that go into producing, um, you know, down to the payroll for the the actors and, uh, you know, all those different things that, that a producer needs to know. Uh, so in this course, we actually um, met um, this gentleman named Aaron. Um, We became friends with him and, you know, I wasn't sure if I was ready to jump right in. It was interesting to learn all about it, Uh, but he, you know, commandeered me and my friend and said, Hey, you know, I'm working on this show um, out in LA, you know, it's going to be at the Wallace center in Beverly Hills. You know, what do you think about that? And so, you know, of course, wanting to, you know, learn more about it. I was, I, I said, yeah, sure. Let's have a meeting. And so we all sat down, and it ended up being um, a musical called Merrily We Roll Along, uh, which was written by Stephen Sondheim. Uh, When it originally played on Broadway, it flopped. But it's one of those ones that now has become sort of a cult classic. Um, And when people spend more time listening to it and and paying attention to it, it's actually a, a beautiful work. Uh, but that's not really what got my attention, even though I knew Steven Sondheim and I didn't really know the show all that well. Um, but the show was directed by Michael Arden. Um, and Michael Arden had recently produced a, a, a version, I guess we would call it the revival, of Spring Awakening on Broadway. And he did it with the Deaf West Theater. And so Spring Awakening um, was revived on Broadway, where every cast member... Um, had a hearing actor and a deaf actor. And so the deaf actor would actually sign to the audience and the hearing actor uh, would sometimes actually have their back to the audience, but provide the voice and the singing uh, for that. And and I just absolutely loved that production. And so I um, knew that anything that Michael Arden was going to touch was going to be gold. Uh, so I decided to get involved with it, even though it was you know a coast to coast flight, um, So we ended up, uh, you know, being a part of that show. It was from November 23rd to December 18th in 2016. I feel like I've talked a lot, so I'll I'll pause in case anybody has questions.
3: So that was a show, was it not? Was it um, Wayne Brady in
4: that show? Yes, it was Wayne Brady and Aaron Lazar, Donna Vavina, who was actually the original Young Cosette. And Les Mis when Les Mis very first came to Broadway, um, and then Whitney Bashor and Secon Singblow, so all um, you know Broadway veterans, um, some more than others. Yes.
3: So, what was Wayne Brady like?
4: Um, Wayne Brady was very good at what he did. Um, I didn't interact with him <laughs> as much. Using <laughs> <laughs> um, you seen your words carefully. Um, as a good yes. producer
3: should, right? Okay, yes. Never criticize the Brady? talent,
2: right? Oh, we
3: got to talk about who's, who is Wayne Well,
4: Wa- Wayne Brady is an incredibly talented as an improvisational actor. He's probably um, best
3: known, honestly, truthfully, honestly, yeah. best known as the host of Let's Make a Deal.
2: And he's hilarious as an improv guy.
3: Yes, he used to do. Uh, he was a regular. Used to be a regular on that. Um, what is that show that Drew Carey used to host? Whose line is it anyway? Whose line, Whose line is, it is it anyway?
4: anyway? Yeah. yeah,
3: I loved that show. Well, the original British version of the show was the one I'm thinking of. Better, but probably. Oh,
1: good. this is the American version.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I
1: didn't Drew, see that. Drew Carey that. hosted the American. Drew Carey did the American
3: one. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Rob. I didn't mean to derail you. I was just kidding. no,
4: that's okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually get, surprised because a lot question. of people. Did you sure. get to meet Sondheim? Uh, we did not. You know, Sondheim is in his nineties now, and right. so yeah. we were really hoping that he would fly out and see it um, because we were really hoping to be able to bring this production to Broadway. Um, he was not willing to make the cross country flight because he doesn't really travel that much anymore. He did send his people out who loved it, uh, but I did not get to meet Sondheim, no. That was disappointing.
1: Wait, yeah, so Mer- Merrily We Roll Along was in L.A., but what, what was the order in which you you produced the shows?
4: Um, that was my first show. So right out of okay. the, the workshop, I, I worked on that. I raised money for that and brought people wow. into the fold and um, – you know, very low level producer on that, um, again, because I don't have the time to be a co-producer or a lead producer. Um, but, you know, just being involved was enough to sort of give me that, um, you know, that presence of the arts in my life again to where, you know, it, it's it filled that hole that I had been missing for so long. Yeah. What was the um, thing so about
3: then... being a I'm just gonna say, sorry Rob, what was the thing about being a producer on that first show that you were most surprised about?
4: Um, you know, I guess I was surprised by just sort of how different theater is from like television and film. Not that I'm involved with those at all, but just sort of, you know, when you think about a producer of a of, you know, a television show or or something, you know, they're they're the responsibilities are a lot different, whereas in the um in the theater world I guess the the producer is really the one who brings everything together, including the director, including all the actors and actresses, including uh, you know finding a theater um, and paying the theater uh, it just it it kind of wow. surprised me that there was so there was so much business to it. You know, we think of of Broadway as, you know, being arts and everything, but there's a a big business behind it that you have to have business minded people that make, you know, big financial decisions. I guess that's probably what surprised me the most. And so, um, you know, that ran for about six weeks. It sold out. Um, It was fun to go out to Beverly Hills. I had only gone to L.A. as a part of like a medical conference. And so it was fun to actually go out to L.A. and just sort of be there for something other than a conference where you fly out there, you go to the hotel, you don't leave the hotel until you go back to the airport. So so it was a lot of fun. It it helped me um, really appreciate L.A. a lot more um, than I had. Yeah, I I was actually kind of surprised at how much I liked it. Yeah, so right.
1: you have to get past the the kind of uh, East Coast like big city cool like you can walk places right. idea. But once you get past that, it's lovely. Wait, so it was in Beverly Hills? The the
4: production? Yeah, it was in the Beverly theater? Hills at the okay. Wallace Center. The Wallace Center is it used to be an old post office in Beverly Hills, right on Santa Monica Boulevard, oh, um, nice. and they had turned it into a theater space, and it was absolutely stunning
2: and it looks like a post office from the outside the building we
4: were there for it a, does yeah
2: like art deco
1: we... post office like that style like the old brick and mortar like old old la or is it more like, it's like, more like a, yeah brick, brick and mortar block. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay cuz they don't really build with brick and mortar out there that much anymore so it's, it's right. those are, that's i you know yeah
5: so that's did great. you tell us what year this was
4: say that again i'm sorry
5: Did you tell us what year this was?
4: Uh, It was November 23rd to December 18th of 2016. Okay. So a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, So the second one opened in, well, we started previews uh, on Broadway on November 9th of 2017. So it was about a year. Um, Mm -hmm. But the reason I got involved with that, I wasn't necessarily gunning for another show. Um, but they had announced that Michael Arden was going to uh, direct Once on this Island as well. And ah. because I'd had such a great experience with him in Merrily We Roll Along, um, I really wanted to see what he could do with this show. Because this show is it's an interesting show. It's, a, it's more of a fable, um, but it's based upon um, the same fable that uh, Little Mermaid is based off of. Except that Little Mermaid is a fairy tale with a happy ending and and um, once on this island is a fable that has sort of a moral at the end of, of the, the show and so um, I was able to get involved with that and we actually had a really great cast with that show as well um, I said it started previews on November 9th of 2017 we opened on December thirteenth of 2017 and then closed on January 6th of 2019 uh, but we have Merle Dandridge, um, we had Alex Newell, which many people uh, probably are uh, watching right now on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, we had Leia Salonga, who had won the uh, Tony Award for playing Kim in the original Miss Saigon back in the day. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a, a lot of great people to work with, and uh, just very interesting to see. Uh, I got a little bit more involved with this one. You know, I got to watch the tech rehearsals and I got to go to opening night and uh, the after party. And, um, you know, eventually we had a Tony's party because we were nominated for a Tony award for best revival of a musical in 2018. Um, And so I didn't get to go to the Tony awards, but we did have a Tony's party at a restaurant. And um, I still remember just sort of standing around thinking like, is there a chance that this show could win the Tony award? Because we had been, we had been nominated for several of the the awards and we had not won a single one yet uh but once they got to revive best revival of a musical we all just sort of you know you're in a crowded bar in Times square and you can't you could hear a pin drop Mm -hmm. um and as soon as they announced once on this island everybody was just screaming and elated it was just such a great experience i don't have a tony award myself I don't have the award on my bookshelf because they only give out a certain number of those and so they go to sort of the people that are higher on the list of producers but I can say that I was a producer and investor in a show that won a Tony award for best revival of a musical. It's hey, a great uh, experience.
2: Isn't that Rob, a cool? Do you thing remember? To
3: say? I'm sorry, go it's ahead. It's very cool. I was just going to say
2: how many people can you set do you know that can say something remotely similar to that? It's so cool. It's
3: fantastic. Sorry, Jim. No, no. I was just going to ask Rob. Do you remember what the other shows were that you were com- that uh, Once on oh, the Island was competing against? You know,
4: I could I'm look them up on my phone real quick. I, <laughs> I don't could look them remember, actually. I was just curious, if you, remember. I was
3: just curious <laughs> if you remembered.
4: Jim does these Rob, quizzes. Rob, you obviously have
3: quizzes. seen a <laughs> lot of, yeah, pop of theater over the years. Do you have a favorite Oh, yes, he does. Theater production. <laughs> Do Peter I Roy have. <laughs>
4: well, I would guess my favorite show is really like a list of five shows.
3: Okay. Um, Let's hear it. Yay! <laughs> Let's hear it. top five.
4: I, I think, you know, one of the most exciting ones that I've seen recently, well, not recently, because we haven't had theater for almost a year, um, but I dragged Shelley along with me to London and we were able to see. Uh, the staged version. We were actually one of only about two weeks of performances worth of people to see The Prince of Egypt um, on stage as a musical. And it was a fantastic show. I was just really blown away by it. So um, I'm really hoping that once this COVID is over, it will reopen in the West End and hopefully it will come to, to Broadway. It's not something that I would be invited to be a part of because it's DreamWorks. They don't need anybody else's money, oh, wow. Um, wow. but it, it's it's was just a fantastic show, and it, you know, it, it will definitely get a home here on Broadway eventually.
3: Okay, that's one. What's the other four?
4: Oh, um, you know, I really <laughs> You're the one who this said is top five, sound, my friend. <laughs> I know, I know. This is going to sound very cliche because uh-huh. everybody likes Wicked, but I grew up I in love Kansas. This. And I hated The Wizard of Oz, not because it was a bad movie, because it was it was great. But I just got tired of hearing the oh you're from Kansas. Do you it know Dorothy? Kansas. <laughs> do you know how do you have a dog named Toto? Oh god. And I would say I would just start introducing myself and saying, Hi, I'm fr- from Kansas to answer your next three questions. No, I don't know Dorothy. No, I don't have a dog named Toto. And yes, Kansas is in color. So
1: many people so. live and swim in cliche their entire lives. It's sad. <laughs> so, Rob, let me ask. But you a I like. I really like wicked the, Let me because it your made list. fun of it. Sure. Let me mm-hmm.
4: inter- interrupt your
3: list to ask a question. Are you more the scarecrow, the Tin Man, or the cowardly Lion?
0: Oh God, Jim! Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh my God, Jesus! Uh.
5: <gasps>
3: or are you more the uh. Wizard himself?
4: Uh, no, I'm probably more the cowardly lion. All
5: right, very good. Doesn't very sound low. like
4: it. Mr. You got well, no, I mean, but he go, just he, he had a heart. He had a it lot of emotion too. and I I do, you know, get emotional about a lot of he things. Wears, so I would stand up for him, right? Exactly. Yeah. Line, he wore his heart on his yeah. Sleeve. yeah.
3: What about your other three shows you want
4: to name? Um, Aida is one of my favorite ones. It was back in the early 2000s. Based upon the opera by the same name, obviously, uh, but it was one of the one of the first Disney shows um, on Broadway. It wasn't the first, uh, but it was right up there uh, with the you know the entrance of Disney into Broadway. And it was such a beautiful show. Um, what is that three now? That's three. Um, I do love *Miss Saigon*. Um, right. I love all the music for it, um, and. Shelly, what was the one that you were thinking that I would say?
2: Uh, Hamilton.
4: But yeah. I guess not. Hmm. Oh, you know, I, I loved Hamilton, <laughs> but I wouldn't put it in my top five, wow, to be honest.
2: Wow, this is a tough oh guy to Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Tough
3: guy to please. Would it's, any... it's a would wonderful show. I agree with Rob, that. would any so-called straight play make your top five, or even in contention?
4: Yeah, so... Uh, musical, um, I mean. There was one that unfortunately was cut short um, and it, it was called the Inheritance, um, and it was such a beautiful show. The reason it didn't it didn't do well because it was in two parts, um, both parts were three hours apiece, and so you could either see them, you know, one night and then the next night, or you could see them both in one day. But it was such a beautiful story, um, and unfortunately, it got cut short because it just couldn't ever figure out how to. Uh, get people in the seats. And that's really what, you know, it's, we talk about it being an art form, but it's really a business. If you can't get butts in the seats, then then a show closes. And so, yeah, it was, it was probably, if it were a. Yep.
1: Well, I just, you know, you often hear about. How Broadway's changed in some ways, and there's it's been Disneyfied, or it's maybe mm-hmm. you mentioned DreamWorks as well. You're mentioning a lot of big shows. I'm just curious: do you think that's happened, and and do you think there's an impact to it, or do you think it's not happened, and it's really just always been the way it is now?
4: I think it has happened, but I think that now that COVID has hit, it's kind of hit a reset button. Um, I don't know this to be true, obviously, because I don't have a uh, you know a glass what is it? The looking glass
1: crystal ball, crystal ball.
4: ball. There we go. Um, but I think that, you know, at least in the beginnings, um, when Broadway starts to open, it's not going to be a light switch. It's going to be sort of, you know, a trickle. Um, and I think that the shows that are going to open are going to be much less expensive and more, um, they're going to be more amenable to the New York audience because we're the ones who live here and we still are not going to have a lot of tourists yet. So things like Wicked, where you know it can sell out multiple performances when there's a tourist crowd here, when there's no tourists, Wicked would do terrible in New York because we've already seen it. So I think it'll it will be sort of the smaller shows, the ones that you know nobody has seen yet. Um, and you know, of course, we're all going to band together and go see shows and keep the theater industry alive. But yes. it will probably be the smaller shows that the you know, appeal more to the new Yorker at first at least.
2: Um Rob, wasn't there one year that you saw every show on Broadway?
4: Um I usually see every musical uh that's every on Broadway musical. and then as many plays as I can.
2: So what would that number be?
4: Well, so there are 41 Broadway theaters. Um and, you know, not everything lasts a full year. So, uh, you know, there could be a theater that has two or three shows or plays in it uh, during a year. But um, I, I don't know. I spend a lot of money on theater. I do.
2: Oh, I don't. I wasn't thinking about that part. I was just thinking about the uh, the opportunity for all that creativity that you have right outside your door and how right. you're taking advantage of it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I live on a block that has three Broadway theaters. So, yeah, um, wow. you know, it's, 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 I can decide at, you know, a quarter to eight that I want to go see a show and leave my apartment, get to the theater and be in my seat by five minutes to eight.
5: That's cool. Yeah. That's so funny. when you do the uh, producing, are you. Do you find that you have to take time off from your, your quote unquote real job or can you manage both?
4: Um, So, you know, it's theater is in the evenings and weekends. Uh, My day job is Monday through Friday. Usually sometimes it's in the weekends. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's 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 sort of a perfect marriage, Um, you know, because a lot of, of being a producer is meeting people, meeting new people and finding, you know, finding a way to, you know, find investors, you know, people who are willing to put money into a show. And so a lot of those types of relationships happen at Glasshouse Tavern after the theater crowd gets out. So, um, yeah, it never really interacted or never really. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, there were a couple of times when I went out to L.A. that I did take personal time off. Uh, but it never interfered, you know?
5: And your stress level was manageable clearly.
4: Yeah. Again, because you can choose sort of the level of, of involvement you have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't trying to be a lead producer on a show while I have a full-time job. Yeah. I could choose sort of what level of, of involvement I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm.
3: Hey, Rob, uh, Uh, About a month ago, all five of us on this podcast predicted the date we thought that the first Broadway theater would reopen this year. What's your guess, best guess for a date that the first Broadway theater will reopen?
4: Well, so if you think about it, even if we were to all be getting the vaccine today, um, we would have to have the actors move back to New York because a lot of them left New York. Um, they would have to go into rehearsals. Uh, they would have to dust off the sets. I mean, can you imagine walking into a theater right now that's been closed for a year in New York? I mean, there's probably so six your inches prediction? of dust. What's your prediction? I-, I would think the speeches. earliest it could be would probably be late summer.
3: Late summer? Do you want against... to give a specific date? We, have, we gave specific dates, so, you know. Oh.
4: <laughs> Let, let's go the Friday of Labor Day weekend. Okay, I don't know that's what the exact date that Somebody is. Somebody predicts, but...
3: Seb- I don't have the list in front of me, but one of us picked September 11th. Mm. Interesting.
0: Oh. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. So I. yeah no, I, don't I, don't remember. I
3: think it. that's actually a pretty smart choice. I, I wasn't the one who picked I, that. But I, I, I could see actually. that, actually. I yeah, said, I said September my, fi- I said The September 20th anniversary, 15. significant way to reopen, and blah, 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 you know. I oh,
2: said wow. September fifteenth for the record. I have it. I'm looking at it right now.
3: Who said September eleventh? <laughs> I think it might have been Peggy
4: that said September 11th. Yeah, maybe I'll have... start that rumor here in New York that it's yeah. going to be September 11th. Do it. And get it, it
3: going. It go then see it'll see make it. it you know, then will help Peggy win one so, of the predictions. I so
2: yes, think. I need, I need back that, into Rob. Because I want me. you to take a a measuring stick to truly see if there's six inches of dust in a year, because that <laughs> would be <laughs> amazing.
3: So, Rob. In all your time going to the theater, you've gone to many, many, many more plays and musicals, certainly, than I have. What's your best story for meeting someone famous who is at the theater with you and talking to them?
4: Um, Okay, so I have have several. I'm trying to think which is the best. Um, I went to see a version of Company that came out probably 15 years ago. Raul Sparza?
3: Was that the one with Raul yes. Sparza? I saw that. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. And was it great, was me and way. three three other genetic counselors, and we bought our tickets, and and I had bought the tickets, and so we got up to the door, and I was sort of handing out the tickets, and we sort of, you know, as everybody's going into the theater, we got a little bit um, uh, separated, and uh, this woman bumped into me, and literally almost knocked me onto the ground. And I was like, I'm going to say something because that was really rude. And I looked up and it was Sarah Jessica Park. So I Funny. couldn't really say anything um, other than just, you know, pick my job off the floor. Um, but I've been in the same theater with the Clintons twice, actually. Um What'd you, once see? What'd at, you see? Uh, the share show? The share show. Uh, actually, I think that was just Hillary. Um, and then. Um, At the Apollo, uh, it was a concert with um, Cynthia Erivo and Shoshana Bean, and they actually sat right across the aisle from me.
5: Did they look like they liked
4: each other? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't get close to them because obviously Secret Service was all around, but um, it was just fun to, to be able to say I'm in the same theme. I'm within... 15 feet of the Clintons.
3: Hey, Rob, did you see the last Broadway show I saw in December of 2019 was the Circle in the Square production of Oklahoma. I'm sure you saw that, right?
4: I did see that.
3: I enjoyed that immensely. And uh, I was one of the people who got to sit on the stage during that.
4: Yeah, so I I have a love-hate relationship with that show. Um, really? Because I Tell did, me why. Uh, well, I well the thing is, it was the show that replaced us once on this island. Mm. Um, you know, we our numbers started to drop oh, down, sorry. and so the theater kicked us out and brought in Oklahoma. So I have a little bit of a you know, but it was it was an excellent show. It was, it was a um, it was done very differently than any other production I've seen of that show. But yeah, yeah I, I loved it. I just know, have some bittersweet sure. feelings about understandable. That show. <laughs> okay, well, I so saw Speaking show. of that,
1: which which is your actual favorite space?
4: Like, which theater building is your favorite? Uh, let's see. Probably the Hudson Theater. Um, the Hudson Theater is um, over. It's over on the other side of, of Times Square. So, I'm saying that as if people that are listening know what side of Times Square I'm on. <laughs> I live on the west side of Times Square. And it was on the east side of Times Square. And things, theaters that are on the east side of Times Square or below 42nd Street don't tend to do well. uh, Because, you know, they're just sort of a little bit further to walk for the tourists. You know, the tourists don't go below 42nd Street to see theater. They don't go on the other side of Times Square to see theater. So um, I saw a production of Head Over Heels in that theater, uh, which was a musical based upon the the songs from the Go-Go's. And it was excellent and just a beautiful, pristine theater, you know, plenty of room. Um, You know, I'm a little bit of a bigger guy, so I'd like to be able to have room in my seat Um, and just very comfortable seats. And it had been sort of redone um, very recently, and it was a beautiful theater. But I I think any theater is beautiful.
5: There's so many things I've never even heard of. That show seems like that would be fun. You know what it I saw there, show, yeah. Rob.
3: You know what I saw there was I saw "Burn This" with Carrie uh, Russell and Adam Driver at. Uh, at the
4: oh, office. you know what I Carrie Russell from show. the Americans. see
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get to see that The
3: play one. is not. It's not a great play, but the performances were. I mean, it's not a bad play, but it's not. It's not. You know, uh, I don't know. It's not. Jim, do you like Carrie Russell? Yeah, like as at.
1: an actor. Yeah, you do okay. I thought she was great, but I've heard several people say like,
3: "Oh, you know, she's really just Mickey Mouse Club or something." And it
1: was, I no. was like, "Oh, <laughs> she was good in this."
3: I mean, you know, they're acting for film and television is different for acting for the stage. Uh, but, for sure. But I think people that can pull off, you know, I tend to think that people that can pull off a stage performance are going to generally do fine in film or in television. Yeah, they now, seem like you know, they have
5: to have more talent for sure.
3: Well, I think I don't know. Maybe it's a different kind of talent, but I think it's also that there is a certain. And again, we should have like somebody like Fiona, who's an actor, on to talk about this. But the the idea that you have to do this thing every night is uh, is a challenge separate from the challenge of doing uh, episodic yeah. television or doing film. Not even I, just
4: doing it every night, but doing it every night in a way that every audience member gets to see the Mm. same excitement Mm. as the last audience. For
2: the first time. Which reminds me,
3: I have one more question for you, Rob, because this always reminds me of something. Uh, When my son John and I went to go see the production of Promises, Promises with uh, Sean Hayes and Kristen Chenoweth, we had had the magical experience of during that performance, that particular performance, both Sean Hayes and Christian Chenoweth broke and started laughing during one of the scenes. So, you know, obviously they're not supposed to do that, but still, those fact are the is things that we that stuff, live
4: for though.
3: Yeah. Cause it's like so memorable. I was there the night, blah, blah, yes. blah, 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 So tell me, you must have a story like that. Or oh my God. Yeah. I just,
4: like off the top of my head, you know, I we were talking about Carrie Russell. I was thinking about waitress and Sarah Bareilles and, how Shelly and I saw that in London, but I saw Waitress on Broadway in previews um, when it very first came to Broadway and and previews is sort of like a two to three week period where they're allowed to make changes to the show. They're allowed to screw up and stop the show if they need to. They don't always, but um, I went to see Waitress and during the, I forget which act it was. um, One of the set pieces got stuck on stage. And so they had to bring the the scrim down, and so we're all sitting there like, okay, now what's going to happen here? And I was sitting on the aisle, and all of a sudden, um, I, I heard somebody running down the aisle, and then I, of course they whooshed past me, and I'm like, who who's running down the aisle? And uh, this person hopped up on stage, and it was Sarah Bareilles, and she was like, oh, um, guess we fucked up. Uh, <laughs> let me see, what can I do? And so she started singing, you know, some of her songs, and she sang Part of Your World from Little Mermaid. And it was probably a, a good 15, 20 minutes where she just stood at the front of the stage. And, you know, she kept putting her ear against the scrim, like, are we ready to go yet? No? Okay. Uh, okay, part of your, you know, she she really kind of ad-libbed, and it was one of the experiences that I'll never forget. Fantastic.
5: So i i t- I saw a show on Broadway that, Closed very 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 fast, so fast that I wonder if you saw it. And it was Paul Simon's musical, The Cape Man. I just <laughs> shocking not see that,
3: that Peg would see a musical <laughs> with Paul Simon or by <laughs> Paul Simon. Yeah. Not so, you yeah. know, that's so unlike Peg to have done. Wow,
5: you that didn't again. see it, huh? Shoot, I was kind of hoping that you saw that. one. I did you know, not that's... know. Was Why there anybody so else fast? in the
2: theater when you saw it, Peg? Yeah, it was full. <laughs>
4: Right. It,
3: it was a, From what I understand, yeah. it was a somewhat troubled production. But um, um, What does that mean? It had a cold? Just that they, were, <laughs> uh, they never quite felt satisfied that they had gotten all the elements right. And there were changes, it a lot of changes during the rehearsals. And it didn't get great reviews. It got sort of lukewarm reviews and so forth and so on.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense if it closed. Well, well Rob, not all not Michael, all
3: shows that my, get lukewarm reviews close. I mean, some of the right. Disney-type shows do very successfully, despite oh. or irrelevant to the reviews. Well, I assume and it's
1: about money at some point. And like, there are shows that are, are well-reviewed there,
3: that don't do well. I yeah. saw right. what I thought—I don't know if you saw this or not, Rob, but I saw it what I thought was a really good production of the Heidi Chronicles, which closed shock—I happened to see it on—actually saw it on the last night— it closed shockingly early. I thought it was a good production, a good play, a play that should be relevant, as relevant today as it was when it was first written. Uh, Elizabeth Moss was in it, and she was terrific. And I, I don't love know why her. it wasn't successful, but um, it was not successful. Just didn't hit it with the
4: public for whatever reason. Yeah, it's interesting because some of the shows that you – I mean, that's why it's, it's such a dangerous thing to invest in because – some of the shows that you're just like this is gonna be amazing open and then they close really quickly and then there are shows that are like that'll never do well that are open 20 30 years later so it's it's you know it's interesting it's it's hard to predict
1: Rob let me just clarify that a minute because you're using the word invest it it's it's not you don't actually get a return it's like more like charity or more like support than it is in it's a, or a donation, or is it actually like, are you like, you know, if I mean, I suppose at different levels, like literally looking for a return on an investment of cash, like of what you put out. I mean, is that is it literally? Yeah, that business? I
4: mean, in an ideal world, you know, if it runs long enough, it will recoup what the investment was, and then you'll mm-hmm. get your money back. And then if it stays That's open, great. then you get a percentage of the, the profit.
3: That's
1: great. So, but, you know, okay. if but the number, but that's
4: a uh, investor in Hamilton, like you, never have to work right. again, <laughs> right. But, right?
3: But honestly, Rob, my impression is that the number of shows that actually do make a return on their investment is small.
4: That is correct, the, you know. And, and when I'm talking to people about investing in a show, I just say, you know what? Pretend as if you're never going to see this money again. Right. Yeah, you're just, you're paying yeah. for the experience. You're paying for yeah. Yeah, opening yeah. night tickets. Yeah. You're, you know, being yeah. able to say that you were at the same party with Leia Salonga. You right. know, one of my investors in Beverly Hills, she was just like, what would we wear to an opening night in Beverly Hills? Like that was what caught her was like <laughs> having that experience. And so yeah. it's, you know, you pay for the experience and then just hope for the best.
1: Yeah. Well, Rob, you are I mean, I am a—I am nothing like you or you and certainly Jim in in terms of my appreciation of and love for theater. But I there is my all time favorite experiences in life have been long weekend trips to London or Edinburgh
3: for the festival or New York. And the birth of your child. And seeing child, and John. seeing multiple
1: shows and, and I'll the pack birth him of in, you know. your child, John. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's never going <laughs> to. Now pass. that you're a parent, the, you can't. The listen, uh, but but I would but you know and I'd pack him in. I go to a in New York. I go to a matinee and then another show and then I'm going to Birdland to listen to jazz and then I'm going to the Carlisle to see L- Elaine yeah. L- Stritch and I'm packing it in and I am just happier than a clam and you, just hearing you talk about it. Makes me feel like uh, I mean a running theme is my lack of nostalgia, but I'm nostalgic for it. The um, I guess I'm curious if when you're producing that changes, if it actually just ramps that feeling up even more, or if it's just something completely different.
4: I think it ramps up the feeling even more because not only are you getting that sort of uh, experience of seeing the show, but you're also really proud of it. And so you know, having my coworkers come to New York and and me being able to take them to see once on this island, like, you know, it's, it's just sort of like, you know, it's it's something that you were a part of that then you get to share with everybody else. So I would say it sort of heightens that a little bit.
3: John, Heinz, you're not going to remember this, but to your point about the theater, the last weekend in June in 2004, you were in New York for literally <laughs> one night and I came up from DC to see you and we went to see a production. Do you remember what we went what we saw that night? You probably don't.
1: Did we was it The Normal Heart? No,
3: we saw Jumpers. Oh, we and saw Jumpers. Yeah, I do Tom remember that. Tom Stoppard. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it was a crazy weekend because it yeah. was Beth will appreciate this. It was the day of the National Labor College graduation. Was that day? Ooh. The night before I had taken my oldest son, I had promised him, and we went to go see the midnight show of the opening of Fahrenheit, uh, 9-11, or whatever that was, that that Roger Moore. Oh, never go see
0: a Michael Moore movie.
3: Yeah, well, whatever. I promised my son (laughs) I would take it. So so, I was up late. I had to get up early and be at the graduation all day. Then i go to New York. we go see the so theater. Great. I had to take the 3 a.m. train back to D.C. because one of my other sons, I had promised so to great. drive to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, first thing Sunday morning. So yeah, it was one so of great. those weekends. But...
1: And Rob, what's wonderful about Jim is he remembers it in that kind of detail. It's yeah. technical <laughs> detail.
4: What were you wearing that night? <laughs> uh, see, I never at, remember that But Beth would no. remember what she was wearing At that
3: graduation, probably so.
0: And ask Jim what he ate He will remember that No,
3: do. I'm sure I ate way too much At the graduation <laughs> Because the food was free uh, right, we're doing I a do remember to John and my friend Birdie and I Were sitting yes. around Penn Station Until 3am Waiting for my train to leave So I do remember that We got to hang out at Penn Station till 3 a.m.
2: Because I want to start producing Speaking of eating, Jim, uh, my mom got a f- uh, was here recently and pulled a pen out of my little tray that I have in the living room. She goes, "What? what is this? What's Copper Canyon? Oh, you have a <laughs> Copper Canyon pen? Have you? What is this? And I'm like, also giving
3: you a Copper Canyon O-M- pen.
2: OMG. Jim must have left that here when he was here for my Halloween party.
3: (laughs) I give only the people that I care the most about do I give (laughs) Copper Canyon pins to,
2: It's his favorite (laughs) restaurant, (laughs) or closest, that he goes to, Rob's. Favorite.
3: By far the the favorite. My home away from home, and it's not even that (laughs) far away from home. Rob, (laughs) I think I speak from all of us when I say we all want to, whenever the date is, we all want to come to New York and see a yes. show with you as yes. soon as possible. Yes. Go, that go
4: would go be so House much Tavern. fun. Tavern. Yep.
0: Yes. You we te- oh, sh- definitely have to go there too. Yes, Gosh. you take
5: us to the hot spots and the secret of spots. Of course.
3: Did you ever go to a bar called Don't Tell Mama?
4: Of course. I, mean, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Yep.
3: It's so right. it's uh Is it open? It's still open, right?
4: Yeah, it's still, well, be, it's it's when, it's not open right now. They were doing they were doing outdoor performances when you know because we don't have indoor dining in New York right now. Yeah, right. right. But they're going to reopen right?
3: that in a in a couple of weeks. I hear. I hear Cuomo yes. is going to reopen it.
4: Yeah. yeah. So um, they decided to close for a couple of months because you know it's too cold to sit outside and listen to people sing. So um, they will be open again though.
3: Yeah, we used to, uh, when the kids were younger and we'd go to a show, that's where we'd go afterwards. But uh, we haven't been there in a long time. But good to know it's still there and still kicking. And New York will be back and the theater will be back.
4: Yes, it and will.
3: Everything will be yeah. back. And Rob will be back producing. And John will be back pretending that he wants to produce. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we are at the top of our hour. Uh, so I feel like we should move into our recommendations segment. Um, we could bail
3: on them if we're over. No, let's not bail on them. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Why not? Because we we we're do slavish it, adherence
1: to protocol.
3: Yes, and that's you know, as Rob will explain to you, when you're producing a show, you have to not <laughs> show you must have go to on. Not, you have to not improvise too much. But anyway, I've been to I've been to a, been to a few six
1: hour shows, show. and they're not great. <laughs> All right. Well, Uh, let's be quick with our recommendations.
2: Can you give us a quick recommendation? Yes, I can give you a quick recommendation. But first, let me
3: talk
1: more
4: about Jamie Tarsus. No.
3: No. Um, I recommend a book by Britt Bennett. It's called The Vanishing Half. It's a novel. It's the story of two twins who leave their small town in Louisiana. They run away. And what happens to them after that? The theme of the book is identity. The parts of identity that we have control over, and the parts that are constructed for us, and it's very interesting. And I highly recommend it.
5: I read that book.
2: It sounds very. Do cool you like it? To me.
5: Uh, yeah, but you know, it's just being recommended everywhere, and now you're recommending it. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should read it again.
2: Yeah. Peggy. I thought you're it was.
5: Up. I thought it was fine. Who's up? You. <laughs> Hmm, I don't really have a recommendation. Um,
2: <laughs> okay. You don't have to. We made it. We made it. Not. Right, Peg. Why don't
5: you recommend
3: the Vanishing Half, and I'll recommend a different book. How about that?
2: Okay.
5: Okay, you go then. Okay. I so the my Vanishing
3: recommendation half. is that was Peg's <laughs> recommendation. My yes. recommendation is another novel that I just finished reading called The Eighth Detective, and it is a meta detective story. It is a meta mystery story and the premise of it is that a mathematician has written a has previously published seven uh mystery stories in a book called the white murders and uh someone from a publishing firm has come to find him in the place he's retired to because they now want to republish it and it's again about murder mysteries and the the themes of murder mysteries and the structures of murder mysteries and the techniques of murder mysteries and it's a mystery within itself it's called the eighth detective so that's my recommendation probably not as good a book as peggy's recommendation but still (laughs) a good
2: book. (laughs) thanks jim (laughs) beth what uh do you recommend this week
0: well, I want to make an amendment to my previous recommendation because I finished it. <laughs> okay. We've done so that before. I, on yep. the last episode, <laughs> I recommended A June of Ordinary Murders. I still recommend it, but it's, it was very sloppily edited, which is a pet peeve of mine and Shelley's. Yes. Um, and okay. more annoying because the writer. Oh, hey, I
1: hate it. It yeah. wrecks the book for me.
0: It does, right. Yeah. The writer is the former editor of the Irish Times, so oh it's really heavens. annoying. Yeah. So
3: whoever that is was clearly <sighs> drunk when they were supposed to be editing. Yeah.
1: Connor
0: They're Brady, really. and yes, I would guess are you so. Are making some
3: kind of Irish stereotype, Jim? What are you doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm offended.
3: I'm going to go back to talking more about Jamie Tarsus. Uh,
0: Jim Jim is half Irish, so he can talk about our people.
3: My mother was Mary Agnes O'Connell.
2: Ooh, that is Irish name, for sure.
0: And my recommendation is go outside. I spent a couple hours out today, and it was fabulous and it hit the reset button Uh, and (laughs) nobody was out there (laughs) and it was Uh, lovely
3: going outside man there's so many better (laughs) things to do inside oh
0: um
3: okay
2: so um john
1: i just recommend that after mine i guess relates to the myanmar thing i recommend if you haven't if you don't take an interest in international news i recommend you do Find a source and read something about international news because, after you've, uh, because the U.S. is very insular and our news is very insular and we're so uh-huh. far up our own asses sometimes we miss things that are important elsewhere.
3: And of course, no other country in the world is insular, but that's right. John. China, yeah. <laughs> of the places I've lived, the rest of the countries yeah. I've lived in really aren't like this. It's pretty unique. <laughs> very
1: good.
2: Um, and then Rob, I'll go last again. Do you have any recommendations,
4: Rob? Sure. Um, so, you know, in the spirit of theater, since we've been talking about theater, there yeah. are two uh, plays that have been turned into movies um, that I recommend. Uh, the first is called In and of Itself. It's on Hulu as of, like, last week or a week before last. But um, it is magician, illusionist, mentalist uh, Derek Delgado. Um, doing a one-man show, and it's it's excellent. I was actually able to see it off-Broadway live, uh, so I was really excited to see that they had filmed it, but also just sort of wanted to know, like, is it going to translate to the film? Um, And it really did. It really was an excellent production. Um, And then also American Son uh, with Kerry Washington, Jeremy Jordan, and Stephen Pasquale. Um, It's a very important play. Uh, that they filmed, um, and it's just, it's very um, important right now, Um, you know, and the whole Black Lives Matters movement, um, and just, even just seeing excellent performances, uh, you know, by these three.
1: That's on Hulu as well?
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, That's on Netflix.
2: What's the name of that one again? Sorry.
4: American American Son.
2: Okay. Okay. Cool. Shelly. Excellent. Uh, and then my recommendation is to watch um, uh, Mr. Selfridge, which is old. I, I watched that. Is it I on PBS that. or I Netflix? enjoyed
3: that for the most part.
5: Yeah, I it used to it. just be called Selfridges. I, it's weird that it's called Mr. Selfridge now. No, I think so it was the store, called Mr. Selfridge. The store really? is
2: called Selfridges, but the show yeah. is called Mr. Selfridge. I know. I, I
5: swear sense. the show was called Selfridges, but okay, whatever. Oh.
2: Maybe no, I don't think so. Uh, no. I enjoy it. I'm in I love. I watch it and
3: when it
5: was
2: It
3: was Mr. Me
5: Stone too, Jim. Sure.
2: Yeah, it's been a while. Okay. Uh, I Do you want to uh, recommend Jer- it,
3: Peg? While you're at it, no. since you have nothing. No, because I
2: think
5: Jeremy <laughs> Piven's not a good actor.
2: Uh, I love. Him. I, I think
3: he. I think he I was just, good for that part because the part was supposed to be someone who's very showy and performative, and that's yeah. good for Jeremy Piven. Uh, I mean, uh, I, the, I thought he was better in
5: that. Sh- that other one he did on HBO where he's the entourage, entourage. That's awesome I love that show he's better in that well, kind of dickhead kind of role similar kind <laughs> of thing but it was the a similar same thing yeah, yeah. yeah except, for, the top, except for except for in, in Mr. Selfridges he's got daughters and he looks at him like I love you with that dumb face. Yeah, it's it's Uh, impossible to believe that anyone would love you. Okay, rule number
2: 12. No (laughs) bashing recommendations. I
3: thought it was pretty good. I will say that it is not historically accurate. No, it is not,
2: for sure. Uh, But I liked it because it brought the Chicago aspect in. It brought London aspect in, fashion, culture, the war, history, Women, I don't think the um, last couple of
3: seasons are as good as the first few seasons.
2: Okay, well, I I haven't gotten through all of them. No
1: way! You're telling me that a series faded over time? How uh, how rare? That that happens. I know,
3: John. It's Uh, not as good as read international news in terms of an insightful comment. (laughs) Oh, I
1: thought
2: we were bashing. Uh yeah. Rule number twelve. I wasn't bashing your
3: recommendation. I was bashing you personally. I suppose. (laughs)
2: So, wow. uh, Peggy Sue. Yeah, and I home. wasn't
5: bashing yours either, Shelly. Just Jeremy Piven. Oh, okay. So, I think we're going to wrap it up, right? Thanks to our guest, if applicable. I mean, thanks to uh, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> <laughs>
3: As you can Rob, see, Rob, uh, Peggy
2: <laughs>
5: is not off book yet.
2: So, um... And she's not reading this outro at all. <laughs>
5: um thank you rob it was a it was a pleasure to have you this was a great conversation and so so interesting and i can't wait for when uh broadway is up and running again and you can come back and tell us more um and thanks uh to justin mullins for his great editing and ted ted enlay for composing and performing the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of each episode Thanks to Mary Heinz for her technical wizardry. Without her, the podcast would never have come into existence and would not continue to exist. So maybe I have to take something. Take, I have something to take up with Mary. Um, <laughs> thanks most of all to you guys, our listeners. We, you know, we say it every time. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comment or reaction, good or bad, to this episode or to our podcast in general, Uh, You can let us know what you think by leaving a comment on our website, which is www.insearchofanargument.com, or you can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or on Twitter. We do pay attention to any feedback we receive, and we very much appreciate it. Uh, If you like what you're hearing and you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please rate us and leave us a voice memo or anything. Or if you have suggestions for future shows or you want to be a guest on our podcast, you can submit your application. And never fear, we will return soon, like in a fortnight. Talk to you soon. Talk to you then.
0: Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.